We are blessed this morning to have our director of youth ministries sharing the message this morning. I asked him because I'm singing in a concert this weekend, and so he graciously agreed to do it, even though last night he spent the night here with youth at a lock-in. Good man. <laughs> he, can, he can handle it. He can handle it. So, Eric. Thank you, Pastor Lee. It's always, uh, it's always good to be here with you especially during this time of Advent. And it's good to see you all, um, especially a lot of times you see a lot of red and green. And so that's good to see us. Now I want you to think about uh, some of the popular slogans or jingles that you guys hear on the radio or on the TV. And, you know, they get stuck in your head, right? So if I were to say the quicker picker upper, you would bounty. Bounty. Or just do it. It melts in your mouth and not in your hand. M&M. M&M. See, all right. See, we're figuring out which slogans work better than the others. Every kiss begins with K. K. Maybe no, no. <laughs> this one's maybe I don't know. Maybe John Wesley said this one: the relentless pursuit of perfection. Lexus. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty famous. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. No? No? McDonald's. M- McDonald's. Now we know who eats McDonald's a lot. <laughs> or this one. Have it your way. Oh, you know Burger King more than McDonald's, huh? Now, the Burger King slogan of have it your way, now we have that way of thinking, the have it your way of thinking, that we can customize and we could choose whatever we want and that our choice is the best choice, right? Now, we know that if, a, if we had a child or a grandchild or something like that and they wanted to stay up all night and eat whatever they wanted to eat, we know that that's not the best choice for them. Yet, we have that way of thinking for ourselves with our Heavenly Father that our choice is the best choice. The have it your way of thinking is thinking that everything in this world is made for myself, for the benefit of me, and it could be used in that way. And so we even apply this to God, that God exists for the purpose of us, the human. That whatever God is meant, that God is meant to address our wants and our needs, to have it your way of thinking is think of God as a waiter, one that comes to your table, asks you what you want to eat, you order, God goes and gets it. If, you, if there's something wrong with the order, you say, you know, please take it back and redo it, and then God does it for us. That's the have it your way of thinking. Yet the real way of thinking of God as a waiter is, is more like this, that if you were to sit down at a restaurant and God were to come to you as a waiter and God said, what, what would you like to eat? And you say, you know, I'm going to have a, I think I'm going to have a double Western bacon cheeseburger with extra French fries. Uh, make sure you, you know, you deep fry it a little bit longer than normal so that all the oil soaks into it. Uh, maybe some onion rings on the side, you know, deep fried, right? All of those things. And God says, okay, takes your order, goes to the kitchen, brings back and gives you a salad. Now, God wouldn't be a very good waiter, in all honesty, because God would bring us what we need and not what we want. 
Now, we have this way of thinking as we put our expectations upon God, that we expect God to do this and we expect God to do that for us. And when God doesn't do what we want God to do or what we expect God to do, it feels as if God is far from us or is punishing us or is angry with us. And so when things are hard, when things are unexpected, when things don't go our way, we tend to question God. And these are the times where we wrestle with God. Maybe the things that we wrestle with God with are things like depression or loneliness or health issues with yourself or someone in your family. Or maybe it's problems with school or your parents or these questions that we have and we often doubt God. Is God in those questions? And this is not unexpected, nor is it abnormal of us to think these things. I've done this. I've done this many times. When I was a few years ago, uh, maybe not a few years, more like uh, eight to nine years ago, um, I was going through a period of chronic depression where it felt as if every day was foggy, right? As if the things that... um, tend to make you happy or should make you happy that you know previously made you happy just didn't have the same effect. And you, know, and you just kind of knew that something was kind of sapping your energy, so to speak. But the point is this, is that it's human nature to doubt. And during that time, I doubted God a lot. Why would a good God just allow this to simply happen and to continue to happen? And so it's human nature to doubt especially in our lows. And this was no different to John the Baptist. The person who in last week's text, and I asked Pastor Lee if she preached on this text last week, he was speaking with great confidence to people, with determination, with purpose, and with faith. Yet we find him in a very different part of life. John, he's, in, he's imprisoned. He's, he's in this dank and dark cell And he's waiting to hear his fate. What is going to become of him? And so he sends a message through his disciples to Jesus, asking if Jesus truly is the Messiah, the chosen one. He says, are you the one to come or are we to await another? In other words, are you truly who I've been saying you are this whole time? Or is it someone else? Am I, he's second guessing himself. Previously, he preached with boldness against the religious leaders and against Herod. He stood up for what was right, and he did what was right. He did what he was supposed to, what God had made him for. He was the last prophet before Jesus and carried out his duty. Yet, this is not the same John that we see in this story. He isn't preaching with boldness. He's in the darkness of his prison cell. He's suffering with too much time to think looking over his life, knowing that he had given it all to do God's will and wondering if it was all in vain. But because of this low point in his life, he's wondering that if everything he had staked his life on was for nothing. The darkness of his prison changed his outlook. His purpose, his voice, and his freedom were all taken away from him. This wasn't expected in John's mind, I don't think. He, was, he wasn't supposed to be locked away. He wasn't supposed to be without a purpose. He wasn't supposed to be voiceless. He wasn't supposed to be without freedom. He was supposed to be, as the scriptures spoke about him, a voice that is crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. 
He was supposed to be free in a wilderness with a voice that God had given him. And people would listen. He was supposed to be free living in the wilderness to bring back the hearts of people in preparation for Jesus. He had a voice and a purpose and he was free. His expectations of God didn't match up with what was happening in his life. Now for us, our metaphorical prisons change us. They cause doubt when previously there was certainty. They cause us to question when previously there were straightforward answers. They cause us to get angry with God or to wonder if God is truly as good as God says God is. When previously we thought we knew these things. Our expectations combined with our prisons, our metaphorical prisons, whatever they may be, cause us to ask questions such as, are you truly a God of love? Or is that just all made up? Are you truly my savior or should I rely on another? Do you actually care about me or am I making that up? Are you truly here with me because honestly you don't feel like you are? And we're going to have these questions and I want everyone to know that that's okay. That's okay. We can doubt. We can even be angry with God. We can question everything about God, God's nature, God's character, the existence of God. And it's okay because God can handle it. It's part of our journey. And for me to say that it's not part of our journey, it's not part of being human, would be false. And so we're able to doubt and to question and to wrestle with God and to put that on to God. You can wrestle with not believing. You could wrestle with your questions. You could question God's purpose. I had the question of, do you actually care, God? You could wrestle with your purpose. I did. In response to John's question, the thing that Jesus does is Jesus points to the evidence of God's goodness. And so in our scripture today, Jesus doesn't get mad at John or to condemn John or to be disappointed in John. What Jesus does instead, he points to the goodness that is going on. See, look, the blind have sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk. There is God's goodness all over. Jesus points to that that is being done. John cannot deny the goodness that is going on. Yet I honestly get the sense that what Jesus was doing wasn't what John was actually expecting Jesus to do still. Because John had preached the message of fire and brimstone, saying that the axe is at the root of the tree, or that one, the one who comes before me, Jesus, a.k.a. Jesus, will come baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and was also condemning the religious leaders at the time. And so I wonder if John thought that Jesus was going to do something else. Now the story doesn't say, the story doesn't say, But even John the Baptist encountered a God who didn't meet his expectations. And I wonder what John's response was sitting in that dark prison cell alone. Now, I honestly believe that it was positive because many people in Scripture that are in these dark prisons have found joy knowing what Christ's goodness, that Christ's goodness was happening all throughout the world and were able to find joy. And so I believe that it's highly possible that John found it too. For example, join other people that we find in the Bible. Paul, as he is sitting in prison and waiting his fate, he pens this letter to the church in Philippi. 
and people call it his letter of joy. And he writes this, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul's writing this from prison. And he's remembering the joy that his friends at this church, he's remembering what they're doing. Now the prisons in our life seem to be the last place where we think we'll find joy. And I'm not recommending for us to go to prison to find joy. But what I am saying is that God is able to provide joy in any circumstance, in any circumstance, and isn't limited by our circumstances. This is the story of Christmas, that God came down as a baby to bring hope and joy into this world when the world didn't have that in the darkness. It wasn't when the world was at its most joyful time that joy came down. It was when the world didn't have that. It was in the absence that we find it. And so whatever your prisons are, depression or sickness or stress or issues with your parents or with school or work or the stress that just comes with even this season of getting ready for the holidays, despite our wrestling with God, our questions and our doubts, these are the times where we need God the most and God is near in these times. I had a pastor friend, his name was Pastor Manny, and I was introduced to him by um, someone who I had gone to school with, and I invited him to come speak at, uh, at a worship service that I was leading. And I got the opportunity to sit down with him and to talk with him about his story. And he grew up in church like many of us have, and he grew up in the faith. And then, of course, getting older in his teenage years, and his adolescent years, he, he lost that. He got caught up in gangs. Um, and in order to, what he said to, at that time, preserve his own life, he tried to kill the person that was trying to kill him. And he was convicted of attempted, murdery, of attempted murder. And in prison, he, when he was sitting in solitary confinement, he started to get reacquainted with the God of his upbringing. And in his solitary confinement began a work study, a um, a, you know, those, those kind of self-programs and put himself through seminary while in prison and eventually started leading a small and then growing church congregation within his prison. Now, upon getting out of prison after 15 to 20 years, he believed that God was going to use him and he expected God to use him for gang ministry because that's where he had come from, right? He's like, okay, God, I'm ready to, to do this. But that's not what God had in store for him. Instead, he found himself going out onto the streets with the homeless people in his, in his neighborhood, going out to them and inviting them to his church. And then now he operates one of the largest food banks in the valley area. I think, and he told me that God in that moment surpassed what he had expected. He, he had ex- God had, expect, or had exceeded his expectations of what he would be doing. Now, I mentioned one of my past prisons, depression, and how it made me question if God really cared. I was told in that time to pursue joy, to be drawn to joy despite the seemingly joylessness of my situation. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to do that 
because that seems so far. But I did find it, and I knew where to find it is the most important thing. And I had experienced it, seeing youth come to a deeper love of God, coming to know that God had a great and wide and big love for them, and for them to take a step further in their journey. And so I knew that joy was found in being a part of God's work, being a part of the goodness that God was doing in the lives of these youth. And that exceeded my expectations of when and where I thought I could find joy and what I thought God could do. And so as you battle your prisons, whatever they may be, know that God is always near to the brokenhearted. Those walking through the valleys of life, give it to God. Give your doubt, your questions, your uncertainties, your fears, your struggles, whatever they may be, and see what God can do with it. Let your expectations be exceeded because neither height nor depth nor death nor life, neither doubt nor questions or hurt or anything in all of creation is able to separate you from the love of God. Amen.